So, Chinese New Year is here once again and I've caught up with, you know, the once a year kind of family and friends <laughs> that you only meet once a year. But whatever, what is important is uh, because now I'm the coconut guy, so everybody cannot stop asking about personal finance questions and it's cool, it's fine. And there's one central question that keeps coming up. It's like, if I want to invest, how do I start? Because especially when we're talking about investments, there's so many strategies, so many different, you know, ways to go about doing things and what fits me? And that's something that I decided that, okay, yeah, pretty good question. So let me just come back into the studio to record it and interject to the planned episode. So I'm going to record this. This is second day of Chinese New Year to help you understand different kind of investors, the three major kind of investors out there today. What kind of challenges do each of them face and which one best suits you? So I hope you find your investment style for the year of 2021 and beyond. Welcome home. Good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we're debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. And today, we're going to spend some time to talk about the three different kind of retail investors out there today and decide which kind of strategy will fit your palate the most. Okay, so there are many, many different strategies. I do not want to narrow to say everything is down to this three. Yeah? There are many different ways. And even within this three uh, general big group, there are many, many different subgroups uh, because of varying ideologies and you know, varying strategies and whatnot. And before we begin, I just want to segregate the idea of trading versus investments, right? So I see them very differently because to me, trading is a kind of work, right? So it's an ongoing kind of work that you got to keep up with. You got to track the market. You got to do a lot of those things. So to me, trading is a skill, is a job. You know, you got to do it, right? So you're kind of like self-employed. But when people invest, the central ideology really is to just kind of buy into something and wait, wait for the thesis to play out, wait for the asset prices to go up and, you know, invest, right? So put your money to work and not like work alongside your money. Right? So to me, trading is a whole different class of discussion and I separate them out. So I'm not saying traders are not like doing good job with their money. I'm just saying that trading is very different from how I see investing, which is essentially just putting your capital into different places. Right? So invest your money, shepherding your capital. Also, I'm really happy that more and more people are talking about this, like talking about money, talking about finances and investing. Or at least that's a general vibe that I'm getting from like, you know, random CNY gathering, which is great, right? Cool stuff. And I hope the podcast has contributed to that. But more importantly, before we talk about investing, I want to kind of remind everybody that, hey, you must have your emergency funds together, your savings, have your basic term insurance, have a stable income, right? All these are fundamentals. They're very, very important. And if you have not checked out the earlier episodes, the legacy ones, you can scroll all the way to the front, the first 10 episodes cover a lot of these kind of stuff. And to me, why I think that was very important because I drew from my personal experience, right? So when I first started investing, I had 30,000 sitting around and I jump in with 15, right? So 15,000 into the market and I literally was relying on a friend to kind of click my first trade. And turns out my first trade was an options contract. And I later <laughs> learned that it's pretty crazy, man, because I barely knew what I was doing and this guy who was a lot more seasoned um, just decided to execute an options contract for me, which is a derivative, right? And it's a whole different discussion another time. But through that process, I had a lot of sleepless nights wondering what's going to happen, right? Because... 
dude, I barely know what I was doing and I had I only had 30,000 and I have half my like essentially all my net worth, right? Half my net worth was in the market and I didn't know what was going on. Right. So I'm not telling you to pick your own stocks or you know execute options. Or I'm not saying that those things are not good, but I'm just trying to say that if you have not sorted out some of these fundamentals of like having your basic income, your insurance, your savings, etc., it's very hard to sleep, lah, right? Because it's, it's like you're putting everything, your life in it, which is why a lot of people become very emotional. Uh, there's a lot of FOMO and there's a lot of drive and eager to, to just kind of make it work, all right? So I want to make sure that everybody sorts out their basics and then, you know, invest with your spare cash and your know, life is way, way easier. So I'm a pretty big advocate of sorting out the basics before you invest. So after you sorted out your basics, you have all these extra cash sitting around and you feel like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get started. I'm going to start to invest my money and make it work for me, right? So then you have to decide what kind of strategy to use, right? So amongst all the strategies out there, I feel they generally sit into three groups, okay? And the first group of people that we're going to discuss are the stock pickers, right? So it's like, I pick my own stocks. I'm not very active anymore because I'm just so busy doing all the content. And then my co-founder picks stocks also, Chung. And then, you know, um, some of our friends pick stocks. I'm sure you've heard a lot of stock pickers that come onto our shows. And, and that's amazing, right? So whether you are picking growth stock, value stock, dividend stock, whatever, does not matter because those are just based on your thesis. But the very basics of picking stocks have some commonality and some of the similar work that you have to put in, right? And if you want to be a stock picker, you need to realize at the very, very least, right? Investing will now become a part-time job, okay? So like I said, traders are a very different bunch of people, right? And traders, they, they do it very actively. So there's a lot of monitoring, a lot of things that they need to look into. And to me, that is very active income. So it's kind of like a full-time job or like a second job. But if you want to be your own stock picker, right, you now have to kind of see investing like a part-time job, right? Me means you have to do your homework, you have to study. It's kind of like studying part-time or kind of like running a side hustle on the weekend at the very, very least. So at the very, very least to be a stock picker, right, you need to be able to read financial reports like companies' annual reports and you need to be able to understand financial statements and you need to be able to make some basic evaluations. Of course, understanding the business, understanding their modes, understanding the sector, right? Uh, if you can be even more hardworking, you can go and read up on some of the management, what did they do in the past and what is kind of their track record? Do they meet the basic requirements of becoming a good management? So, so there are many, many small little points and We've talked about this um, pretty extensively. You can check out episode 36 and 56 for more information. But most importantly, you need to understand that in order to pick a stock, the fundamental belief is that you are trying to buy into a business through the stock market. So in order to buy into a business, you need to be able to understand the business behind it. Right? You cannot be just randomly buying a ticker. Right? To me, that is not investing. La. That is like you know taking the casino online, right? which is what a lot of uh, the older generation, they do. They, they just buy something. They're very excited about it. Like, I buy SQ. Uh, you know, buy Singtel. Uh, boy, one, you know, but okay, whatever. Uh, you know, I'm not advocating that kind of random buys. But more importantly is if you want to be a stock picker and you truly believe in the whole idea of picking your own stocks and buying into good businesses, you need to do your homework. It is not a simple thing that you just take it and run. 
So this way of investing really only works for people that are very diligent and genuinely interested in business and finance and most importantly, right, actually has free time after work. Lah. Or, or if you're still in school, right, has free time after school. Because the thing is, for many people that are, that for us, right, we are, we're all young, 25, 35, most of us are around this age and we're in our early days of trying to carve a career. Meaning, right, we don't want to stay a minion forever, right? We want to, <laughs> we want to progress into management and find something that we can you know uh, do very well and make progress and in order to do that we actually have to spend a lot of time improving ourselves right reading stuff in our sector um, going for relevant programs or networking joining associations going for events you know you know like the work out of work so so dude man that is like extra part-time work already so for many people um, that are trying to carve their career, they will find it very hard to pick stocks. And this may not be their best choice. It can get really, really tiring. But okay, if you choose to do so, it is not impossible. You just got to recognize that you got to take time and, you know, make it progressive. Like be chill about it. Because um, just to give you some context, I've picked my 10th stock about a year into my stock picking journey. That means within the first year, I only picked 10 stocks. I took a long time to like just study the company one by one. Of course, I don't have a lot of money. So I'd be scared also when I first started. So I picked really, really slowly. And mind you, I had a lot of free time at that point in time. So my first few stocks were like Starbucks, Facebook, Disney, which I still own today. So yes, humble flags. <laughs> so stock picking has its learning curve. And it is true that if you pick good stocks, they can you know benefit you very well over a longer period of time. But one thing I want to note uh, based on my interaction with many of you guys is that a lot of people are telling me that, hey, I will put my money with the robo-advisors first and then meanwhile, I learn how to pick stocks and then I transit into you know, stock picking or you know, I will pick my own ETFs first and then transit into stock picking. Okay, uh, I don't think that is a bad strategy, but I need you to recognize that there is no skill sets transfer in this process, right? You're not going to become a better investor just because you put your money there and then try to pick stocks, right? So stock picking is a very different skill set. You've got to be able to study companies. Um, most of the ETFs are a lot more macro in terms of the, the skill sets that's required and the knowledge that's required. So it's not exactly transferable, but I don't think it's a bad way to start. Just recognize that there is no advantage for you when you invest in an ETF market and then think that you know, you're going to be a better stock picker just because you have already invested in the ETF market. Which brings me to the second kind of investor that you can become, which is to be that broadly diversified ETF guy, the macro big guy, okay? And we will talk about this afterward from our sponsor. Okay, so I want to clarify that broadly diversified does not mean equally diversified. You can have 50% in a Singapore ETF and then you can have like another 25% in a US ETF, another 25% in Hang Seng ETF, depending on what you are trying to do, right? So uh, it can spread across geography, it can spread across sector and there are many, many ways to do it. It is not as simple as just buying an index fund, right? So there are a lot of ways to go about using various ETFs. Of course, the fundamental is the index funds. You've probably heard them here and there but what I'm trying to kickstart uh, this point and to clarify is that you still need to form your own investment thesis for this right so there is still some work going into this, you still need to understand some of the you know, investment basics, right? So one of the best ways to start if you want to be that broadly diversified ETF guy is to just go and look at what the robo-advisors are providing, right? So they will have their own composite, they will buy different different ETFs based on their investment ideologies or you can also go and look at some of the, the big guys, right? So like uh, Dalio, like Ray Dalio is huge, right? In the space and all the big guys will publish their investment theses and their investment allocation, right? So the different ETFs that they buy because most of them are macro 
Pro and you can just go and see what do they buy and use that as a good starting point. There are also a lot of uh, articles out there that kind of analyze their portfolio. You just put Ray Dalio's portfolio and then everything comes out and then you can just kind of maneuver your way from there, right? So that's a good place to start. Importantly, you need to understand that to be an investor in a broadly diversified ETF strategy, there are a few things you need to understand. Okay, the first thing is that there are actually still many, many ETFs. So while there are many, many stocks, there are about 7,600 ETFs out there. Lah. So it's still not a walk in the park. Okay, you still need to go through and you need to learn. And there are two major um, ETF groups out there, right? One is your index funds. Okay, the other are your theme funds. So index funds, I think we talk about it pretty extensively. Um, it is really about copying the broad stock market index. Right, so like we in Singapore, we have the Straits Times Index, which is thirty uh, of the top companies in the Singapore Stock Exchange, or we have S and P five hundred, which is like the quote unquote five hundred of the best US companies, you know, blah blah blah, and then Hang Seng, which is a Hong Kong index. So yeah, all these different index are just trying to give you an aggregated information of how the stock market is performing, kind of like you know how many distinctions in school or like the average performance in the company. You know, they are merely measurements, lah. Right, so you cannot actually buy the index, but you can buy the funds they are copying the index. And we've talked about this. You can check out episode 30 um, to look at some of the basic pointers in choosing index funds. Right? Essentially, are fund management companies that put together a fund that's trying to copy the index. Right. So this is uh, usually the base of most of the broadly diversified ETF strategy. And the other big group of funds uh, in the ETF space are your theme funds, right? So from your healthcare sector funds or your energy sector funds or the very famous ARK investment fund, you know, um, there are different, different themes and they're all backed by a certain belief, right? So whether is it uh, trying to get all the healthcare companies or trying to get all the energy companies or trying to, you know, find disruptive technology. So different, different funds are thematics and they get a little bit more complicated based on their weightage, based on what they're trying to do and based on their fees, right? So I will not go into them specifically. I think we've talked about this quite a bit across the different, different episodes. All the investment episodes, you probably hear a little bit of them. But one thing you need to note is that uh, you definitely need to read their fund write-up, right? So they will have their fund introduction, what is their investment ideology, and check out the fees. So some fees can be pretty expensive, like 0.8%, you know, 0 0.75, 0 0.6%, which is pretty, pretty expensive. Uh, but most of the theme funds are around that range, okay? So usually in a broadly diversified ETF strategy, there will be a, a mixture of index funds and theme funds and a little bit of bond funds depending on different, different stuff that they buy, right? So you have to build your own investment strategy that way, okay? But who actually, you know, will this benefit the most, right? So I think um, the people that will benefit the most from this strategy uh, are your, what I call the intelligent generalists, which means the people that are happy to do some reading, actually interested to try to figure out what's going on, but don't want to spend the whole day, you know, like stock pickers, you know, actively have to sieve through one by one by one by one. You know? People that will read Economist, happy to read the Straits Times, Business Times, you know, listen to podcasts like yourself. So I think most of us are what I call the general, the intelligent generalists, people that are willing to learn different, different aspects. And this strategy probably fits um, a lot of people. And what are the benefits? So some of the benefits are it's definitely cheaper, right? So 
relative to um, whether is it your robo-advisors or looking for financial planners to help you do um, your planning, if you can do a little bit of work and trying to read up on these kind of strategies and read up on the various index funds and the theme funds, um, the cost to buy an index fund, right, okay, very basic, uh, the index fund strategy, the cost to buy the index fund is maybe 0.04% of your capital size. Meaning if you invest $10,000 in an S&P 500 index fund, you pay $4 a year. Uh, so it's very, very cheap. Right, but if you don't want to do the fun thing, you don't want to read up and learn and whatnot, you can always outsource the work, right? Find your fund manager, look for your robo-advisors, look for your financial planner, and they charge a range of 0.5 to 5% a year. So yeah, you get the idea, right? 0.04% versus 0.5 and 5%. So if you outsource the work, definitely you have to pay more, right? But at the end, at the fundamentals, they are also picking ETFs, just that they are professional and they have a professional team to do it. So I think if you are the kind of person that is interested to read, interested to you know stay on top of what's going on in the world and you know, happy to learn some basics and choosing your own index ETFs or your index funds, then great, great for you, right? Um, I think this is one of the best strategies. And although I'm a stock picker, I actively push this strategy because I think most people will fit this strategy. But of course... If you're trying to you know, beat the market and be very active in terms of trying to build your own portfolio and pick your own stocks, hoping to kind of compound for the longer term, then yeah, stock picking is your thing. But for everyone else, I think most people listening to the podcast will fit this way of investing, which is your broadly diversified ETFs. Okay? And the last strategy for most people um, that's trying to start investing, it is... The robo advisors. <laughs> and aka, you are not an investor, okay, when you put your money with the robo advisors. Let me, you know, clarify, okay. So I think a, a lot of times when people think they choose to put money with their robo advisors, right, they think they're investing, okay, but actually you are, you're essentially outsourcing the investment work, right? So you have this bunch of money sitting around, and but you're so busy, you have no time to do all these things, and you have no interest in trying to read up. Uh, you know, index strategies or ETFs or pick your own stocks or whatnot because those things are extra work, right? You want to spend time with your kids. You want to spend time pursuing your career. You want to, you know, do whatever you want to do and you, you genuinely have no interest in, you know, being an investor. But then you keep hearing people say, hey, you should invest, you should invest, right? So then, if you are that kind of person, then I think the robo-advisor strategy works perfectly for you, right? Because you're essentially just outsourcing your work. Of course, fundamentally, you have to pay a little bit more, right? So the fees are a little bit higher, right? But my thoughts are, if you are that kind of person, you have some extra cash, just go with the robos. Why? Robo-advisors have uh, done an amazing job in terms of trying to lean down their operations, lean down their compliance process. You know, you could just download an app, sync your MyInfo, and then ta-da, things can just happen like that, right? So you don't really need to do a lot of work. And all these definitely, you know, um, what we call in the financial world is called the middle office, the people that are doing all these paperwork and clearing all these things, right? Um, they are bridging the front office and the back office, right? Essentially, you cut out all these guys and then you can hire a very sophisticated bunch of, you know, investors or like fund management cut people, the top of the top, to share their advice across a much broader group of people because of your apps, because of your centralized managed strategies, right? Which is what a lot of um, financial advisors or financial planners cannot do. Okay, for lack of a better way to put it, I'm not against financial advisors, but the general FA and FP out there, right? They 
cannot rival the investment rigor of a lot of these guys that are working in the robos. They just generally cannot afford to hire this kind of top talents. Because what really happens when you invest with like uh, your FAs or your FPs or financial planners, right, is they have a marketplace on the back after you put your money with them, they or their advisory company will go to the back end and then pick the different ETFs for you, right? So they will pick the unit trust, they will pick the ETFs, um, whatever for you. And so they essentially act like an investment analyst and they do all those things for you. But actually, they spend most of their time doing sales. They spend most of their time, you know, um, reaching out to people, which is not a problem, but there's a skills difference, right? You want people that is doing your investments that are good at investments. They are not like good at doing sales or client servicing, right? So to me, robo-advisors change this whole, you know, landscape of people that are just trying to outsource a non-investor investor. And yeah, I think they are giving the fees that are the, the traditional humans cannot give because humans need to feed their family, huh? for like a better way to put it. But this way of doing investing is probably one of the best ways for most people that are just trying to start up to invest their money but don't really want to do the extra work. Of course, um, there are also problems with robots and I will talk about that you know, in next month when we focus on digital finance. And I think there are some problems uh, based on personal experience and based on what I'm observing, robo-advisors really do have some general problems, but it is not about the human touch. It is not about, you know, uh, being close with your investment advisor because those things don't matter. When I'm choosing an investment advisor or I'm choosing an investment, you know, a company that's trying to manage my money, I want to choose for brains, not for the human touch, not for the shield, not for the comfort, okay? I want to get the best people and robo-advisories at this moment in time, has given some of the best rigor for the cost associated with it. Which is why I think if you have some money sitting around and you want to invest, you know, but you don't know where to start and you don't want to put in the work, you're not interested to learn all these things, then go for the robots. Outsource the work and pay that little, little fee. That's great. With that, I hope you have a clearer idea of the different strategies uh, that you can go about to start your investment journey. And number one, we're going to reiterate, right? Number one is stock picking, right? So if you want to pick your own stocks, you got to recognize that you got to read financial statements and grow your business acumen and, you know, kind of do the work. Uh, but over time, maybe the upside potential is a lot more serious because personally, I'm a stock picker and um, I think I've been having a pretty good ride over the past few years. And I'm very happy to share with you my portfolio. Just come to the Telegram group and ask. Number two is to go for the broadly diversified strategy, right? Broadly by diversified ETF strategy. And that will entail you to, you know, understand some of the macro trends, understand index funds and it's not as complicated but you still got to do some work so perfect for you know the intelligent generalist that is happy to read Economist New York Times Straits Times and listen to podcasts that's why I'm very active in pushing the strategy um, you can go ahead and learn from Ray Dalio or different different guys just go and search um you know, on Google and you will find a lot of pretty good resources. And number three is just go for the robo-advisors. Be a non-investor investor. Why do I say so? Because you're not actually doing the work. You're outsourcing to quote-unquote the current best people for the retail guys out there today. Right, so I hope based on you know this short little 20 minutes, you have a clearer idea of what kind of investor that you can potentially be and you know create that life you love. Take care, see ya. Hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated, and discussed. Join our community telegram group 
follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have interesting thoughts you want to share or know someone that you know you want to hear more from, reach out to us through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week. And always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. Oh, test, test. Awesome. Yes. So I actually came back to the studio to record this episode because um, there were so many people that was just asking, you know, how to start, how to start, how to start. And I realized, oh, dude, I've talked about all these different ways to invest, but I have not really kind of filtered down who will fit what strategy, right? So I hope after today's episode, you have a much clearer idea of who will fit what and find your way of investing or not investing, kind of outsource it to robots, right? So all these that are being said, um, it is not, you know, hard and fast and I'm not a professional, right? So that's something that you need to know. If um, I'm not a professional, everything for entertainment purposes only, uh, also entertainment, <laughs> education, entertainment purposes only. But generally, this is um, the current strategies in the market. So I hope you learn um, and find a way that you can invest and live the life you love. Later this week, we have another great friend of mine that's coming on to talk about stocks once again. So I'm a big stock picker. So a lot of my friends are coming on to talk about stock picking. And he will talk a lot about you know valuations and trying to understand companies and he actually has a very different strategy because he only has 8 to 10 companies at any one time. So very concentrated strategy, um, not like searching, searching pretty broad. I'm also pretty broad relative to him because I got 30 companies, he got 10. Right? So it's very different and I think he has some good insights for all of us and see you later this week. Uh, book review, I push to next month. <laughs> Take care, bye. Happy Chinese New Year.